Somebody just confirmed to me what God said to me in the worship. He said to me, preach tonight, preach like a dying man to a dying world. It means there's there's no sugar coating, there's no comfort zones, there's no areas we're not allowed to touch because we see this about the kingdom of God. So, yeah, uh, we didn't quite know where this was going, so I'll give you the scripture now, and while you're getting it up, I'll set it up for us. Um, Luke 5, from verse 1 to 11. And I'm just going to tell you what the story is about, and then I'm just going to do a bit of a running commentary as we go along. It's not going to be like a, a teaching as such, because I feel almost like the picture that we have here is similar to what we have tonight. People sitting down, um, eating or whatever, and, 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 and Jesus just speaking to us. So this story is about Jesus standing on the, on the beach at the lake of Gal- Sea of Galilee, and, and he wants to, to preach to a group of people, and he, he gets into a boat of a fisherman, and from there he speaks. And we all know the story that in the end, he tells Peter to go out and cast his net. And Peter says, but I've toiled all night and caught nothing. Almost, I can almost picture Peter saying, really? You want me to do what? I'm the professional. I know there's no fish tonight. And he goes out and he he lets down the net. And they have a, 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 a catch like they've never had before. And why is this important? I feel that as we have fasted this week, for this time ahead of us where we have this evangelism drive to see people get born again, to see people get healed, to see people return into the fold, I feel that it's important that we align ourselves, our lifestyles, not just one day of fasting and praying, but that we align our lives to what God wants to do in and through us. I think often we we wait, and it's great that Jonathan is coming. I mean, this is, I hope that this will be the catalyst that will get this church into the, the emotion that we can go out and preach the gospel to every nation. But it can't just, we can't just wait for one person to come. We have got something that God has spoken over us, over each one of our lives, a responsibility to take the gospel to every nation. So I'm just going to read bit by bit and and give a couple of commentaries on that and and see how we can make adjustments. And as as I speak, I pray that God will, through His Holy Spirit, work in your heart. And maybe tonight, that you might not make many notes, but you'll, you'll make some decisions about how, what changes you're going to bring into your life to align your life with what God is saying to you? So, chapter 5 of Luke, verse 1, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats at the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And just um, on that first part, it says one day, but, but in in the ESV, it says one occasion. And the occasion actually was much deeper 
than what, it, what meets the eye. Because I believe that that day that they were standing there for the first time, hearing him speak on that beach, it was a prophetic picture of the promise that God gave Abram. Because he said to Abram, your, your, your inheritance will be like the sands on the seashore. And they're standing here, this group of people pressing in, wanting to hear, wanting to hear the word of God, as it says. They're standing there, and it's a prophetic picture of the first group of people that's going to be impacted by the gospel, but going to be impacted by the teachings of Jesus. And they're standing there as a manifestation of the very sand beneath their feet. And, and it's a God saying that I'm a God who, who's true to my word. I'm a God that makes every promise true. And he remind, they might not have seen that, but it's a, it's a beautiful prophetic picture of this first group of people hearing the voice of Jesus Christ preaching from this boat, and they represent the very sands that's going to be, the, the inheritance that's going to develop as a promise that God has given to Abram. Because God, when He makes a covenant, He keeps His word. And we are in covenant with God. That means that the promises that He's spoken over you, that means that what He said about you is going to come true because God keeps His word. He says, on that occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Him. Now these are people, these are Jews. These are people that, yes, they were waiting for the Messiah, but they weren't sure if this was the Messiah. But there was a hunger for the word of God. And if you compare this with the New Testament, where it actually says, where Paul writes, he says, in, in, there's going to come a day that the very believers will not want to hear the word anymore. And here we find people who, who don't know about Jesus. They don't know what we know about Jesus, but they were pressing in. They were pressing in to hear the spoken word of God. And there's something for us here tonight that, that we, can't be, we can't be armchair Christians any longer. We can't sit back. We need to engage. We need to be front-footed. And we need to pray, be pressing in to what Jesus is saying to us. They were hungry for the word. And it says, he stood on the lake and he, he stood on the beach and he saw two boats of fishermen. Now normally when you speak about fishermen, you picture guys fishing. But the fishermen were not in the boats. And you think to yourself, so how will they catch fish? The fishermen are actually standing in the shallow water, washing their nets. And the reason they were out of their boats, and I feel that's key for us. The reason that they were outside their boats, it wasn't, they weren't taking a sabbatical. They weren't taking a month off. It was a daily routine. And this is how I think it should be in our lives. It was a daily routine. You go out, you cast in it. You don't just catch fish. You catch seaweed. You catch sticks and whatever that's in the water. It gets caught up in the nets. And when you come out, after you've taken the fish out, you've got to clean your nets. And in that time where you clean your nets, if you come across a hole, you fix the net. In that time while you're fishing, and, and, they, and um, there's been an argument on the boat, there's been tension on the boat. That's where you sort it out. Because can you imagine fishing all night, catching nothing? Somewhere along the line, somebody's going to get irritable. Or maybe that's just in my family. I don't know. Somebody's going to get irritable with somebody. And this is a place where, where in the shallow water is the place where you clean the nets. And I've, I feel that's a word for us as a church. God is saying, clean your nets. 
Make sure there's no offense in the net. Make sure there's no, nothing that, you, that you've brought into this net that can tear the net. Because there's a catch coming. There's a harvest coming. And, and if you want a heading for this message, it's this. We could be one catch away, one cast away from revival. We could be one cast away from the, the very next cast could be revival. But our nets needs to be clean. Our nets need to be whole. It needs to be prepared. So we've, they got out of the boat to recuperate, to get their strength back. They got out of the boat to regroup. They got out of the boat to resolve tension that might have developed overnight. So, so fixing the nets, cleaning the nets are of utmost importance. And I feel that, that as you sit here and the Holy Spirit of God convicts you, convinces you of something that you need to set right, do that. As we go into this week of evangelism, a, a couple of weeks of Jonathan coming and preaching in the different congregations, don't let something that offense or whatever it is that we brought, disgrunt, being disgruntled, don't let something that you brought into the net tear the net and the whole catch goes am amiss because of something that I refuse to sort out in my life. Especially if it's something with another brother or sister in the congregation or in another congregation. God is, God is really speaking seriously to us. Clean your nets. And the the reason why you should, or if you're battling to clean the net, if you're battling to address the issue, if you're battling to address cleaning up the net, it could be that you do not have a revelation of the value of a lost soul. And that's what you should be praying for tonight. That God reveals to you the value of a lost soul. That we are so valuable that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, to leave the ivory palaces of heaven, come to a world of woe, and he laid down his life. He was allowed mankind to crucify him and nail him to a cross and put a, a, a crown of thorns on his head and, and, and really beat him up. He allowed that because he values the lost. And the least we can do, if Jesus values the lost like that, then we should value the lost like that. It should not be an inconvenience to have an extra evening to preach the gospel. It should not be an inconvenience to set up tables and to prepare for those that might come in. It should not be an inconvenience to come together to fast and pray because we value the lost. And if we haven't got that, pray for that. Ask God to come in and give you understanding for the value, what the value of one's soul is. So we do whatever we do. We prepare whatever we prepare with the next catch in mind. We need to cast the net. We need to commit to cleaning the net. We need to commit to sorting out matters to make sure that we're all on the same page, moving forward, taking the kingdom, advancing the kingdom of God for God's sake. We used to, we used to my, my dad and my uncle owned a net way back. I was, must have been seven years old. And we used to go out netting. And we had this one area where we went out and you would, they would row in with a boat. And, and it was a family affair. It wasn't paid professionals. 
The whole family, we were about four families there. Some would be pulling in the nets, some would be making fires. As the nets came in, we would take out and, and gather fish by size and by different types of fish. But it was a family affair. And I feel that the, the time of evangelism we're going into, it's, it, it might be a week or two that Jonathan will be here, but we are setting off on a journey of evangelism, reaching this world for Jesus. We're not going to stop after a week. We're not going to stop after two weeks. We want to see the lost saved. And we need to prepare for that. It's not the paid professional. It's a family affair. We all can do our part. Some of us just lit the fire, and some of us took off the fresh fish and put it on sticks and, and brought it on the fire for the guys who are coming out of the sea tired. But there's something for each one of us to do if we're prepared to do that. Fishing, especially with a net, can be hard work. Fishing can be hard work. And sometimes we think only, people, only certain people can do that. There's a role for each one of us to play. And it's not just behind this pulpit. It's not just when you get the opportunity to get the mic and to preach. Evangelism evangelism is more than just preaching about Jesus on a mic. It's about setting a table. It's about welcoming a, a, a guest. It's about making sure that somebody who needs prayer gets that prayer. That somebody that needs help in their family gets that help. That somebody that needs prayer because they're depressed and, and on the brink of committing suicide, that that person gets reached and prayed for and led to Jesus. And here's the thing. I really want to speak to some people here who, there are some of you here and you, you felt that because you're not full-time in, in ministry, that you can't actually have an effect or, or be an evangelist. There's one thing to be a fivefold evangelist. But Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 or 5. He writes to him and says, be ready to preach in season and out of season. And he tells him, Fulfill your ministry. That means he recognized that, that Timothy had a ministry. But apart from that, he says, do the work of an evangelist. That means you don't have to be a fivefold evangelist appointed and set in place. But we can do the work of an evangelist. We can invite somebody. We can speak to somebody. It can start off with a hello, hi, how are you? And you're busy engaging, meeting people where they're at, and you're starting to do the work of evangelist. Don't wait till you're appointed or acknowledged from the front, as you'll see soon, because you actually have been commissioned already to do that. You just have been slow to start doing it. So, in your workplace, I want to just leave this with you. Work is witness. In your workplace, make a habit of witnessing for Jesus. And you say, but I'm shy. I understand that. I'm shy as well. <laughs> you say, but I can't speak. Moses also said he can't speak. Here's the thing. By just doing your work to the best of your ability, you can witness for Jesus. Businesses where believers are working should be flourishing. 
Businesses where believers are working, especially our crowd, where we are working, should be flourishing because our work is our witness. Work is not a curse. Often we, say, we, we operate as if work is a curse. But if you go back to Genesis 3, you'll find that the ground was cursed, not the work. You curse the ground. But work. Actually, if you study the Old Testament, you'll find that work, service, and worship at times use the same word. So work is not a curse. We can use the way we do our work to advance the kingdom of God. That means nobody's excluded from evangelism. The way we run our household, the way we, we do our lift club, the way that we handle, I don't know who you battle with, but car guards, I'm not sure. <laughs> Whoever you battle to, to relate to, the way you do that could be a witness in the kingdom of God. If you look at Joseph and Daniel, their work was their witness. And in the end, they, they affected the whole country. Don't wait till the day that you can stand or, or be called to the front and they get prayed over in full-time ministry. Your ministry starts now. Nothing should hold you back. We actually sang, if I remember correctly, we sang that chorus, Your Goodness is Running After Me. And at some stage we say, I will sing of the goodness of God. Now, now if you just, I know because it's a song, it says I will sing. But if you, if you take that line and say, I will proclaim the goodness of God. That is witnessing. Just telling people of the goodness of God is a witness to who he is. So let me just touch something that, and here's the part normally where Paul started getting nervous because people would stone him if he said this. So luckily there's no, I don't see any rocks uh, hidden under seats, so I can say what I'm going to say now. Um, verse 4 says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out from the a little from the land. So it's one thing to be prepared to clean your net. It's another thing if God asks to use your boat. Because sometimes, whatever that boat represents in your life could be an idol. Um, in the big, earlier, this, when you just started taking over, Nika, you mentioned about somebody who lent his bucket to Luke to go to Namibia. That's God using your boat. Maybe God wants to use your spare bedroom for the conference. That's God using your boat. You see, the net is the corporate, but the boat is the, the, your private ownership. That's yours. And some of us had made our possessions our idols, and God can't use that. And I want to ask you, I want to put it out there to you. Is your boat an idol? Should God, should God force his way in, or are you readily presenting your boat to him? Let God search your heart, and let God use not just the net, but your boat. And your boat could be your house, your boat can be your car, your boat can be your finances, or your boat can be your time. But allow God to use your boat as the platform from where he can speak. That's what the scriptures say. Jesus got into the boat and he spoke from the boat. 
also when God's going to take your boat, when he wants to use your boat, he's going to, he, he stopped Peter from cleaning the net and say, Peter, just push the boat out a bit deeper. You see, when God wants to use your boat, he's going to interrupt what you're busy with. He's going to inconvenience you. Are you okay with that? In this few weeks, it's going to inter- it, might, it might interfere with your gym time. Hmm? Let's check if that's an idol tonight. It might, interfere with it. it might interfere with that run you wanted to do or that cycle you wanted to do. But the kingdom of God should be paramount in our lives. It should be foremost in our lives. Or oh, the rugby test, yes. Oh, do we have to have that service while the match is on? Nothing should take the place of what God wants to do in and through us. Let's make ourselves available. It's going to influ- inconvenience us. But now I want to speak to, to somebody else here tonight. You're in, the, you're in the position that Peter was, where you've tried this. You've, you know you can fish. But this last while, fishing was hard. You know you can fish, but this last while, you didn't catch anything. And now Jesus is saying to you, let's do it again. And everything in you say, I know there's nothing. I've tried it all. I've toiled all night. I've given it my all. And there's no fish. And I pray that tonight you will say, but Lord, at your command, I will do it again. Even if there has been disappointment in the past, if you've tried, if you've evangelized before, if you've invited before, if you've t- tried to reach out to people before and they s- just threw it back in your face. And Jesus is saying, do it again. And you will go, ah, I tried, Lord. Oh, my flesh doesn't want to do it. But at your command, I'm going to do it again. And again. And again. And again. Because the church of God is moving on. We used to sing a chorus back in the day. The church is moving on. Nothing's going to stop us now. We're moving on. We're moving on. And I pray that we will get to that place where the church is moving on. When God says, let's cast the net, we just say, where and when are we there? We see here with Peter, same job. Jesus gives him the exact same instruction. Nothing new. Same job, different authority. Last night they went out and Peter was the captain. He gave the orders. This morning they're going out and Jesus is giving the orders and the result is different. We see in both cases, if you read in, in, in John 21, you find there as well that at the end, again, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, you'll find there that, that they went fishing again and in the flesh they caught nothing again. So every time they, they toiled, they caught nothing. But every time they obeyed, they caught everything. And maybe, maybe you should stop toiling and start being obedient to the Word of, obedient to the word of God. Let's hear from the Holy Spirit. Let's tap into the Holy Spirit and find where's the good soil. What do I have to do? Don't try the same old, same old because you know the same old. Listen to the Holy Spirit and respond because obedience is better than sacrifice. God is calling us to a new level of serving Him. 
Deal with the pride. Imagine being a fisherman for all your life, and then a stranger stands on the, on the side and says, cast it there, buddy. And you know this like the, like the palm of your hand. You know every nook, every cranny, and yet this guy has the audacity to tell you, cast there. And maybe, maybe there are some people in this, in this room tonight, and you, because of your pride, of your experience in church, you have only one way of doing it, and that's your way. Now you can stay as you are for the rest of your life, or you can change to God's way. Not mainstay. No, I don't want anybody to change to mainstay. <laughs> you can change to God's way. You can be the most experienced preacher, teacher, evangelist. But let's do what God is calling us to do by being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not to my preference, not to my idea, not to the, my bias, but in response to what Jesus is saying to us. If we go with that attitude, we're going to see we want catch away. We want cast away from revival. So you might ask me, I'm going to bring it into land right here because I promised Nikki another miracle service. I'm going to preach quick. You might ask me, so who? can cast the net. Because there might be stuff inside of you, a turmoil now is like, but I've only been saved two weeks. Or I've been saved, as a matter of fact, I don't lie, I've been saved 52 years. But that by the grace of God. So does that qualify me to, to, to cast the net? If we look at this scripture, we find that this was about a second or third time Peter met Jesus. It's right at the beginning. He's now getting called to be a disciple. He's not even a disciple yet. He's now being called to follow me, Jesus said. And Jesus gives him the instruction to cast the net. So you can get saved tonight. And we go out here and can cast the net. You don't have to wait to have experience. You don't have to wait till you have three and a half years of experience like Peter did. He had three and a half years of experience. Came back, cast the net, caught nothing. After... Living alongside Jesus for three and a half years, seeing the miracles, seeing what he's done, seeing the death raised, seeing blind that got, that got to see in the year, that, the, the deaf that heard. He saw all that, came back, cast the net in the flesh, caught nothing. There's no restriction to how long you have to be saved to cast the net, as long as you do it under the guidance and response to the Holy Spirit. As long as you are obedient to God, what God says you need to do. Because God set him up. He was busy setting up. He said, first, let him caught a numerous amount of fish. That's right at the beginning of him being called. Then in John 21, he, he actually, it says, he caught 153 fish. Now it's more specified. And then, that's, that's what three and a half years of, of experience does. Goes from a number of fish to 153. But then 50 days makes a difference. Because within 50 days, he preaches at the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 get saved. Number, 153, 3,000. You see, you one cast away from revival. You one preach away from revival. You, you one testimony away from somebody getting saved. If it's in obedience to what God is telling you to do. So, this is what I want you to see here. That verse 4 says, is it verse 4? 
Uh, it says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out, put out from the shore and, lay, and, and, and drop the net. And you may say, but that's a direct instruction. Hear him clearly. So when do we have to put out the net? Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. And I now tell you. Got it up there? Got Matthew? Matthew 28, 18 and 19. I would like to have it up there so I can take you through that just quickly. I want you to link this to verse 4 as, as you think about it. It says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Just keep that up there quickly. What makes, what makes the part that we read so impactful? It says, keep that up. I'm just going to quote what, what is in Luke, 4, uh, Luke 5. It says, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And they, when they had done this, they enclosed a, last, a large number of fish. When he had finished speaking. So on the instruction of Jesus, when he had finished speaking, they obeyed and they brought in the biggest catch that they've ever seen. They were one cast away from revival and they only found it out once they operated in obedience. Now look at this. All authority in heaven, on earth, and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples to every in, in every nation. Actually, what it says there is the same as verse 4 here. When he had finished speaking. He has spoken already. You can't wait till Jesus speaks to go. You can't wait until Jesus speaks to go to the nations. He has spoken already. He's already said... Put out into the deep, deep and cast your net. If you look at Acts 1, he said to the disciples, go to that one place near Jerusalem. Go there and wait. But the message is not that anymore. The message is not wait anymore. The message is go. The wait is over. There are still people waiting for God to speak, but he has spoken already. Go into every nation. Cast your net over and over. Don't hold back. Cast your net, clean your net. Cast your net, clean your net. God has spoken. The question is, will you be obedient tonight? Will you walk out of this place tonight? When you sit at that table, when you, when you get somebody a glass of water, when you help somebody get their, their food to the table, will you cast the net? Will you ask the question, Will you be prepared to spend a few hours longer so that you can lead them to the Lord? When somebody says, but I need to complete this conversation, are you going to go, yeah, but it's like, it's inconvenient. The gospel is inconvenient. And God is asking us, I believe the question that God asks us here tonight, are we ready to align our lives 
with what he's already said so that we can see the lost coming to the kingdom. We one cast away from revival. Father God, I pray that we will have an outpour of your Holy Spirit in this moment. That we will have a cloud burst of your Spirit in our hearts. And that there will be a realignment and a re, uh, just a, a, a realignment for a new assignment in our hearts. Lord, if we have been slack in any way, we pray that you come and change that now. pray, Lord God, that you can break down the walls that have hardened. We pray, Lord, that if there are stuff in our nets that could harm the body, that could harm the net, oh God, just come and remove that right now. Come, Lord. I believe God wants to say to us, I mentioned it earlier to one or two of the people. I wanted to look to Morgan now and, and ask her what's that word. Indifferent. There we go. Morgan's kissy. She's so spiritual. Um, it's, it's not our laziness or, or our slackness at times that's the problem. It's our indifference. If we can't care less that somebody goes to hell, that's a problem. And God wants to deal with indifference here tonight. If there's one thing that, that I suggest you ask God is, do I have indifference in my heart? Does it matter to me? That there are people going to a lost eternity because my net's dirty or I don't just feel like casting my net tonight. May God help us. May God help us tonight as we seek his face. That the next time that we cast the net, we all, as in Luke 5, that we will be astonished at the goodness of God. May his goodness come running after us. Amen.